Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to our wrestling podcast. So, without further ado, the following podcast is scheduled for two falls. And today's topic, the legacy of the NWO, part one. Welcome to the OWP. This is our wrestling podcast. This is Dave along with Jess. I'm not doing this. Cuz. Hey, yo. And Craig. For life. For the life. Bringing you our perspective on the world of professional wrestling. No inside sources, no ties to the industry, just stories from the diehards, sharing opinions with you. And now on to our topic today the history of the NWO. Hit us up on Instagram at OWP2019. Click on Linktree. You can find us on several platforms, including Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Google Podcast. And don't forget, we are now part of the WrestleHub family, all about wrestling podcasts. Catch them and us at the WrestleHub on YouTube and Instagram. What's up, guys? <sighs> Legacies make <laughs> me so tired. They make me tired. I'm Why? tired already. Why? There's tired? so much. There's so much in a legacy. So much, and I don't want to miss anything. And I know I'm going to, and I hate it. And I, I thought this one would be easy when I was typing up the notes for this. I was like, oh, this is going to be easy. Not as in like ah, you know, so much. But yeah, and I started. To, I just got like to page two or three, and I was like, there's so much shit like that I cannot forget in here. And like, yeah, it was uh, oh, it was very fatiguing. Very fatiguing. Mm-hmm. Why are we hearing? What's <laughs> 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 <What is> that? <laughs> <laughs> well, that just made it even more complicated. Yeah, because well, is messing around with sound stuff on us. Yeah, well, you know, we're trying to get better every week. We'll see, you know, but we will stumble along the way, and that's totally fine. So, yeah, by betting, get by, by uh, getting better, we mean uh, pumping Spanish uh, music and dialogue into our podcast. <laughs> Who doesn't love that? Who doesn't love it? So, all right, let, let's just jump right in. If you guys are good to go. Um, I mean, I, by the way, I mean, we're talking about the NWO right now, which everybody thinks is not not only one of the greatest factions to ever occur, totally changing wrestling, which is absolutely true. I think some people believe that this was original, like this had never happened before. And when, when we get into the first part of it where we say the seeds are planted, it's not really true because in April of 96, WCW executive VP at the time, that was his title, Eric Bischoff attended a New Japan Pro Wrestling event where the focus point was a rival promotion challenging for the New Japan Pro Wrestling Heavyweight Championship. He then got the idea for Scott Hall and Kevin Nash, who were wrapping up their WWF contracts to come work for him at WCW, to be viewed as invaders from another company that were attempting to take over WCW. That's where he got the idea. What say you guys? Yeah, you know, it, he's open about it. He said that he got the idea from a New Japan show, 
And he wanted to do something different with Hall and Nash because he couldn't obviously use Razor Ramon. He couldn't use Diesel. He knew that. And he didn't want to go back to their old gimmicks, you know, the Diamond Stud or the... (laughs) Can you imagine if that was just a grand idea? Vinny Vegas? Yeah, like the return of Vinny Vegas next week on Nitro. Like, you know... like like, what the fuck? Yeah, that would have just been nuts. Or the return of Oz. But so he wanted something different with them. He saw that idea at a Japan show. WCW always had a pretty good relationship with New Japan. So he just kind of saw that and he was like, why don't I do that? I'm having two guys come over from the WWF that they have a lot of name value as Diesel and Ramon, however. But their face, their faces are super, you know, recognizable. Jess, Jess, I I thought we had an agreement. We would never talk about Oz when I'm taking a drink of alcohol. Well, Oz is real and his legacy is strong. After the, Mongo, after the legacy of Mongo, we're absolutely oh, doing the legacy yeah. of Oz. Legacy of Oz is happening. I don't care what anybody says as well. <laughs> so, yeah, so he got basically, yeah, th- that was the germ of the idea. He saw that and he was like, I got to do something with these guys and uh, I need to kind of make it real. I think Bischoff, you know, Sean and, and Triple H always talk about how they were always beating up Vince in the back. It, your stuff's outdated. It has to be more realistic. These guys, we're going to get into it here. WCW was the first to breach a lot of the stuff, you know, we give uh, revisionist history, right? The company that won the war was the WWF and they, or WWE, whatever you want to call them. Um, So they can kind of make the history documentaries on the network and they sort of steer the narrative to the way you, they want you to see it. But really we lived it pretty much. Everyone on this uh, episode, this uh, podcast lived it. And to see this, it's, it was a different story. When WCW first started doing this, they changed everything. And I don't think they get enough credit. I really don't. It's more than just a a mention here and there or a DVD set, the rise and fall of WCW or whatever, you know, whatever WWE wants to produce and put out it. They were really important. We're going to get into it here. This changed everything from the 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 boring character driven stuff from the 80s that was into the 90s that wouldn't die because all the promoters didn't know wrestling was changing even though the crowd was telling them whether it was a lack of crowd or whether it was low ratings or whatever they were trying to tell everybody this shit sucks that's why ecw got so big because people were like this shit sucks on the big programs on the big promotions we want something more real or with a bite to it that's what i really think that that the beginning stages here and i'm glad we're covering it even though i'm very fatigued um, mm. Because I think the NWO de- deserves so much more credit. They always get compared right away with the Horsemen, and I don't think that's fair. It's the not, Horsemen, that's, that's the Horsemen not was a, a faction that was booked within a promotion. The NWO legitly was booked to take over a promotion and be bigger than a promotion. That's the major difference between were. the two. Wow. Japanese have a whole different style. They present the, the product much more realistically. The audience reacts to it much more realistically. The media treats it much differently than they do in the United States. How can I come up with a storyline that allows our product to achieve some of those same things? That was really the genesis of the NWO storyline, if you will, with regard to my experience in Japan. That was the end of my sentence. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, the, I was hoping someone would jump in. <laughs> I'm like, ah, that's what we're that. But let's were. jump. We will jump into the next segment on an episode of Monday Night Tro. I almost said Monday Night Raw. On an episode of Monday Nitro on May 27th of 96, Scott Hall would actually shock the wrestling world by coming into the ring from the crowd and disrupting a scheduled match. The difference here was that unlike any other wrestler that had jumped ship in the past, Bischoff was very specific, as Jess had just recently said. 
not having Hall look like just another wrestler that had come from the other promotion. This is literally, and we're watching the video, I love it, because of, of Scott Hall jumping over, and he looks like the uh, owner of Levi Strauss right now. He's yeah, just right, Dan he and Dan. He um, definitely, he definitely owns stock in them, for sure. Yeah, it's, it's great. And, um, you know, I, I don't want to jump too far into it, but this, this is why I think people believe they can just walk into a wrestling ring and not get their ass kicked which happened later down the line where regular people would try to jump in on these promotions and and just, you know, I think Scott Hall and a few boots to those guys, but he literally walks in and gets a microphone. Like, what the fuck is that? This, like, this is totally different from anything we've ever this seen. Was and, great. and people like us, we like, we know who that guy is. What the hell's going on, right? So, sorry guys, take it this away. This was great because uh, at this time, I was at the age where I played with little action figures and I had like little X-Men and Spider-Man and all, all these all these action figures from different comic books and everything. But I had a wrestling, little uh, 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 WWF uh, mock wrestling or WWE toy re- wrestling ring. And, uh, you know, I, I would, I would as a little kid, reenact the little shows and, and wrestle, make them wrestle. And I remember watching WCW. I would do it while WCW would, was on and then WF Rock, uh, you know, Warzone would come on after that. I remember playing with my action figures as a kid and watching Scott Hall walk through the crowd and my my jaw dropped to the floor. It was kind of like when Brock beat Undertaker, the reactions in the crowd, that was my reaction. I'm just sitting there because I'm just thinking like, I just saw yeah. Razor Ramon on WWF TV. Like, and this shit was fucking WWE, crazy, yeah. dude. Or, I, I saw him on WWF yeah. recently and then him yeah, show up. Here, yeah. that shit was shocking even as a kid watching that, not really you know getting everything. It was crazy just to see this. This site will forever just be burned in my in my memory. runs them down. What are you talking about? Look here. What's going on? Wait a minute. Give me a mic. What's with this? Wait, we need security here. I have no idea. Wait a minute. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. You people. What's with him? You know who I am, but you don't know why I'm here. Are we going to get security here? Where is billionaire tech? Where is the nacho man? That punk can't even in the build me. I go wherever I want, whenever I want. And where, oh, where is Scheme Gene? Because I got a scoop for you. When that Ken doll lookalike, when that weatherman wannabe comes out here later tonight, I got a challenge for him, for billionaire Ted, for the nacho man, and for anybody else in uh, WCW. <laughs> hey, you want to go to war? You want a war? You're going to get one. Yeah, and despite the denim and the, the way he's trying to look different, I think what became a problem with the lawsuit and then the subsequent legal stuff by WWF was the fact that he did grease his, that, his hair right down the middle and toothpick. had the toothpick. Uh, and yeah. how close was he trying to get to the it's bad a, guy? Uh, but hey, let, me, uh, let me interject here because Bischoff sure, actually brought it up. The Diamond Stud carried a toothpick. <laughs> the Diamond Stud, when he was That's Diamond true. Stud in WCW before, carried a toothpick in his ear and flicked it at people. And oh, for real? So okay. Bischoff, Bischoff on his true. podcast was like, 
I was more pissed that they were trying to sue me for something that we actually did before, but they were trying to claim that, nope, Razor Ramon's the only one that's done that. It's like, actually, no, Diamond Stud did it, and he did his hair the same way, but people wanted to forget that, and WWF, it just, I'll touch on it. I think I touched on it later here in the notes. They were so pissed off that WCW hit something that was way more creative than that they were doing and had a reality bite to it. I think Vince was pissed because he's like, somebody Mm. fucking undercut me. This is a great story. He's hoping a cease and desist would would, would get them scared, but they weren't, they weren't scared of shit right now. And and my big thing here, and I don't want to dwell on this too much Mm -hmm. here, the hall thing as important as it is, the crowd is fucking shocked silence yes. yep. in a good way, in a good way. Yes. I have yeah. watched and this I clip. Say, I was going to say in a good That's way. I when was. I watch this clip back, I don't even listen to him anymore. I just watch them. And I'm like, man, they were like oh, standing on their you feet. Look at them. They behind were all st- yeah, they're standing on their feet and they're <laughs> staring at him. They know exactly who he is. But every every time, you know, somebody would jump ship from a promotion before it was like, you know, a couple of weeks before they debut, it'd be like coming soon back to WCW, the dragon, Ricky Steamboat. And then he would debut two weeks later and you would know, oh, he just came from WWF or whatever. But this was super different. He didn't come down the rampway. He didn't already have music. He came yeah. in from the crowd just- and jumped in and was just raw with it. And he was like, you guys don't know why I'm here. I'm here because like this is like a joke. I'm I'm from another organization that's way more glitzy and glamoury than here. And where's yeah. your jokes? Where's your nacho mans? Where's your hucksters? Uh, where are these guys? Like that everyone keeps That's what talking about. It's like WCW. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was the first one. He's like WCW. Like yeah, it was like a. Bischoff allowed him to make fun of the promotion. Bischoff allowed him. You got to give Bischoff credit back here because he was like, we have to do something just to stand out and be different. Bischoff was all about turning a profit here. As everybody knows, 1995 was the first year since 1988 when Turner brought bought, excuse me, the Crockett promotions that they turned a profit. They lost every year. And under Bischoff, he took over in 93, started having his influence be felt. And then by 95, that was the first profitable year that Bischoff turned for the first time ever since Turner Broadcasting owned the company. It's it's crazy. A profound quote for me, even as a kid, because I just remember going to school and hearing the words ring in my head. I go wherever I want, whenever I want. That just made it. I don't know. There's something about that line right there that just made it seem like, wow, this is a big deal. These guys are in. Well, you know, at the time, Scott Hall, he came from WWF and he just he just told you that he just walked on WCW like it was nothing. And it just made it so real, man. Like, I don't know. There's just something so crazy about it. It was amazing. Yep. And after two weeks of Scott Hall issuing challenges to Eric Bischoff to choose his best three guys, Bischoff began to ask Hall, well, who are you guys? Hall would say that he had a big man and a medium-sized man waiting in the wings to be his partner. And then on June 10th uh, of 96, Kevin Nash comes, you know, into the woodwork uh, at the end of Nitro to re- re- reveal himself as he's the big man. So who's who's the medium-sized man, right? I, I find it fascinating, by the way, that Scott Hall's the little man. Scott Hall's a big son of a bitch, but God damn it. I just think that's funny. <laughs> like, you're the little man? It's almost oh, bigger okay. than the media man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's why. Yeah, that's why I, I just think that's fascinating, but it's okay. Uh, you know, and uh, the Bischoff would declare at the upcoming Great American Bash pay-per-view, he would reveal WCW's three guys as long as Hall and Nash revealed their third man at that time. <clears throat> right? Anything you guys want to add to that? Sorry. Nope, because I think the next thing that you're going to hit, which is the bash, is, is another major fucking moment that uh, a lot of people don't give credit for WCW to... Uh, 
I'll let you say it, but like, you know, ECW had already been doing some violent stuff and like some edgy stuff, you know, a couple of years before this. But this is the first time that a major promotion just said, fuck it, let's just do it. And you'll read here what that moment was, and I'll talk about it. But uh, sure. they're, they're getting ready to do one of the biggest things that nobody talks about anymore. And uh, because we see it all the time now, I think, um, where they break that wall. So go, go ahead. Yeah. So at the 1996 Great American Bash, Hall and Nash were brought out to the entrance stage for an interview with Bischoff to reveal their third man. Bischoff would in return reveal his three guys that he wants to put out there. Um, on an interesting note, Eric Bischoff would specifically ask Hall and Nash if they worked for the WWF. This is – I know just where you're going. This is so interesting. They immediately said no. This was due to a pending lawsuit against WCW filed by the WWF. In it, they claimed that WCW was trying to confuse audiences by hinting that Hall and Nash were invading WCW on behalf of the WWF. And there was a lot of other stuff, too. It was the character uh, ripoffs, which which Nash didn't act any different. Nash didn't come out putting his fist in the air or, you know, like, you know what I mean? So they just picked on Hall because Hall had that uh, that quote unquote accent still. Like Craig said, he had his hair slicked back. He had the toothpicks in his ear. So it's like Hall was trying to kind of tap into the Razor Ramon stuff a little bit just to give people kind of that remnants of yeah, that. That used to be Razor Ramon. Um, but the big thing was, is that they were alluding a lot before this, that they were coming from another organization. Everybody knew where they came from. So Vince, again, I truly believe he's like, fuck, this is good. Fuck them. Like, just let's start throwing cease and desist at them, because I, I yes, believe Vince was threatened. I, I believe Vince was threatened at this. Like, this shit's good. And uh, we got to stop him. Anything we can do. So Bischoff's balls, by the way, were so fucking big here because Bischoff said, OK, here's the deal. We're going to go out there and we're going to just I'm going to fucking flat out ask you, ask you like in, on WCW television. Do you work for the WWF? What the fuck? Like that's that balls of steel. Like because in Vince's mind, if Bisch Bischoff will never ask that question because that'll kill there, that'll kill the angle. But Bischoff knew it's not going to kill the angle. I have more shit to do. I have more stuff that I'm going to involve these guys. And in. it's going to be a different kind of thing. So yeah. right away, it showed that the NWO angle, which hadn't even been they weren't even the NWO yet, had more legs than just that. It was more than just I'm going to bring you over and I'm going to try to remind the crowd that you used to be Diesel and you used to be Ramon. No, it was way. So right away, I, I just I cannot compliment Bischoff enough for getting them out there on a fucking pay-per-view on Great American Bash and being like, before we get started, I want to ask you a question. Do you work for the WWF? No. No. All right. Anyway, so you guys tell me your fucking guys like it was just a fuck you to Vince. It was a fuck you to everybody going like, yeah, you is that is that your fucking stance? You think that I'm going to back down just because you think I'm copying not diesel? That that, that's not even what I'm doing here. So here, let's just get the shit out of the way. It, it was amazing. It's not even we're not even to the part yet with the big deal like, at the end of the segment that happens. But like I, I and I and I love this segment. I mean, um, you guys chime in at any time. Interrupt me, please. But. You know, with that out of the way, as Jess had said, Bischoff would claim that he's not ready to reveal his three guys. He would the next on Nitro. He would say, yeah, I'll tell you my three guys then. This obviously pisses off Hall. He punches Bischoff in the stomach and Nash would powerbomb him off of the stage through a table set on the arena floor. It looks like it's part of the stage. Actually, very well done when you look at the oh, playback. Yeah. And because th thank you for bringing that up. It looks great. Um but this was the first time a regular like ring announcer, 
uh, was subject to that kind of attack. Um, this is this is um, when I watched this, I, I, I saw it like the rest of you guys. I was like, what the hell is going on right now? This is not normal. Like this, this had so many people glued. And as Jess always talks about, you got to get the casual fan. This was getting the casual fan right at this moment. And we, we haven't even we haven't even taken off yet. We're just on the landing strip right now. The immortal Jesus. You know, you tell billionaire Ted to break out the money and get anybody you can because the big mang and the medium-sized mang and our surprise buddy are gonna carve them up. I wanna ask you a question right now. He's had his say. Who are they, man? Who are they? Come I can't on. tell you. I'll tell you tomorrow night on Nitro. That's the deal. You can't tell us? You don't jack us around, don't jack Oh, for crap! Whoa! What are they doing? Security! Security. Get up there right now! For, oh, for... Oh. Get Somebody security up, up there! Unbelievable! Please! Craig, what, what do you think about this madness? Yeah, I mean, WCW, I think, and in, in for all the years, didn't do a lot of stuff right uh, compared to how brilliant and how sharp WWE's production and storylines and angles and the way they just thought and executed things were. But from the big, very beginning here, and even the kind of this moment, uh, and I know just that you're going to talk about the first time um, an on-air talent was kind of attacked and breaking that wall, but just in general, like how they managed to convey how kind of real this was in the first couple of months, like how like, holy shit it was. And uh, you were kind of wavering between the line of, is this, is this real or not, or what's really happening? They executed this right. to perfection where it just, it, they didn't do it for very long. Um, but like this moment in the first couple of months, there was nothing like it. And it holds up as some of the best stuff today. And Bischoff wasn't, you know, when you say Eric Bischoff, you think of the character. He was a B-team announcer here. Like, he was the executive vice president in the background. He was really important in the background, which nobody knew yet here. Way before the Mr. McMahon character, you know, like, Bischoff was working on being in front of the camera, which would be, you know, his kind of undoing years later. But, I mean, like, it you'd never seen anything like this before. And watching him get punched in the stomach and then, like, just it was so real. And it was like, it was like, wow, like, these these guys are serious. It immediately erased the hall or the diesel and the Ramon gimmick because they were so cartoony. These were two guys that were here to be violent and they were here to do something. That's the, the joke that that Bischoff knew Vince didn't get. Oh, you want to play games and file lawsuits against me because, you know, you think the whole basis of this is me just copying Ramon and Diesel and trying to elude that they still work for the WWF. It's so yeah. much deeper than There's that. There's also... There's also a really small thing to, to talk about this too, Jess. I mean, I, I know it's maybe obvious now, but when you put two wrestlers in the ring together, it, it take it takes away from what they really are and what they what they do and how, how much they work and how big they are. When you put Bischoff against these two guys, I don't think anybody you don't realize until that moment, like, God, these are some big sons of bitches. And they just destroyed a regular dude through a table up you know basically slammed him down about 10 feet into a table like it was nothing like it was absolutely nothing and you look at that back and you're like wow this is intense this is the most real i could ever see it getting um i i I keep watching over and over and bischoff's not a small guy i mean bischoff you know worked out bischoff 
is a is a wasn't he like a karate, karate black belt? Yeah, he did yeah. some tournaments. And but these but but like Nash and Hall are just they're, they're massive, and they just pick him up like as a piece of paper and throw him in. Don't table. you remember what Nash it's, says? It's, um, Read the adjective. Yeah. We didn't come to play. <laughs> we yeah, didn't come to the play. adjective. By the way, yeah, a- 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 not the verb. Everything about it. Yeah, I want, yeah, I'm with you. I get it. I, we cursed enough on this show, you know. Um, but in the weeks but, building to Bash at the Beach pay-per-view, Hall and Nash would continue to invade uh, the arena throughout the crowd, even showing that they actually bought a ticket to security yes. so they could not be kicked out of the show. That's another good good um, line from Nash. We came to see the big boys play when they kick him out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, that, that, that kind of stuff is just, we bought a ticket. We have a right to be here. And you, you look at the announcers, you look at the security, and everyone's like, what do we do? And it was showing that utmost confusion because we're like, hey, we bought a ticket. You can't make us leave. We're not interfering. We're just sitting in the front row. What's the problem? And eventually, obviously, they would interfere and, and all those items. But, I mean, just just great stuff. This is the kind of things you would just – you would see Hall and Nash and just in the crowd with the ticket. You're like, what are they going to do? What's going to happen? Just phenomenal stuff. Finally, ECW's three guys were revealed. Uh, it's Savage, Sting, and Luger would be the three guys to represent WCW at uh, Bash of the Beach. Uh, they would actually face Hall and Nash and whoever that third man is, right? And in, uh, that's actually at 96. Hall and Nash said their third guy re- would be revealed at the actual pay-per-view. A little side note, on June 17th, 96, Nitro actually beat Raw in the ratings here. Uh, three, uh, it's a 3.4 to a 2.3. And then that's where, if anybody listens to Bischoff, the whole 83 weeks, this is where 83 weeks of consecutive WCW victories and ratings would, would uh, take place from June 17th, 96 uh, on, right? Yeah, I never knew that that, that that streak started three weeks before Bass at the yes. Beach. That's really fascinating. Yeah, but, it started. Wow. It, it's amazing, yeah. right? And they were actually they yeah. were actually beating WWF a little bit more often than not, even before Hall debuted. They were starting to with the cruiserweights. And off, and, right. Yeah. The Nitro was just getting looking fresher and they would like the building up more. The cruiserweights were a big deal. They were a really big deal. While I turned over to Nitro even before Hall even debuted. Um, so, yeah, they were they were starting to figure it out then here, too. But this storyline, this is this was the fuel that rocketed them into the stratosphere for sure yeah and, and i know we're talking about nwo this is the basis of it but to Jess's point the cruiserweight uh, division here might have been the best you've ever seen uh in wcw in at this time frame and that's a big part of their success for ratings as well we don't want to you don't want to discourage that at all um the cruiserweights in wcw at this time might have been the best ever the, the some of the talent that comes out of it is, is the best ever uh, even on in, on an individual level. so Yeah, I mean, I can do without all the NWA the last hour of Nitro every week, but like what I lived for is that uh, even uh, right before Bash the Beach and then beyond and the whole apex of NWO was that kind of the, almost like the opener or all those cruiserweight matches in the first hour and a half of Malenko, Malenko, Mysterio, and Guerrero, yeah. and Benoit. Yeah. My God. I mean, change the biz. So much, so much ridiculous talent in there just – just putting on a show, and then, like you said, then then you watch the soap opera at the at the last hour, right? So that's really what it was. So um, 
I find this fascinating how, how you know, Jess, you just kind of nonchalantly write this. I know we've seen it a million times, but I'm just going to read it as you wrote it. On July 7th of 1996, Bash at the Beach, Hulk Hogan would come down to the ring and reveal himself to be the third man. Hulk Hogan uh, cut arguably the best promo of his career after the match. The three were showered in trash thrown by the fans. I'm trying to make that as like as real as I possibly can. And it's like, I, I, I mean, I know just you're writing it. And I know, I, I think even as you hear it, it doesn't do justice to the moment. Am I, am I right? Am I wrong? Hogan is in the building. You're damn right he is. Go get him, Hulkster. Yeah, but whose side is he on? Go, what are you talking about? Whose side is he on? What are you talking about? Yes, sir. Get him, Hogan. Go get him, baby. Come on and get some of this now. Who's bad now, boys? Hulk Hogan arrived. Hulk, Hulk, Hulk. What is oh he doing? Oh, my God. Is he the third man? He's the third man. What oh. the hell is going on here? Hulk Hogan has betrayed WCW. He is the third man. Look at this. this picture. Oh, my God. What the hell is going on? Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? I, probably the lowest shot ever given to professional wrestling. That man did right there, Hulk Hogan. We've talked about it. Everyone's talked about it. But like it, it, it really it was the difference between this just being a really good angle, which I think without Hogan and just to say it out loud, it was still a good angle. Sting yeah. was arguably going to be the first choice as the heel and the third member. But I don't what a lot of people don't think is like when you say that now, people think of just him taking Hogan's place and doing everything Hogan did for the next three years. That would not have been the sting path. I think it would have been more. I don't think sting would have been the leader. I think it would have been more of like three guys doing shit, which would have been interesting and still would have been compelling these invaders and then sting the inside guy but betraying them completely different. But completely but what different. Hogan did when Hogan came down and why I'm glad it was him is because it. The name value that he had, Bischoff was searching since 1994 to unlock that magic for WCW. And it, it happened here and there. And when Hulk first came in, it spiked buy rates and spiked ratings and blah, blah, blah. But then it went back to 95 was just a Hogan getting booed, Hogan doing the same yellow and red bullshit, Hogan doing all the same stuff. Yeah. Bischoff Not is, a sustainable model Bischoff is like, dude, but... I know I fucking brought this guy over here for a reason. What 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 lock do I need to unlock to unleash that? magic again you know what do i do well this was fucking it and and nobody knew this i mean it it was so back and forth on the back people have written books and done shoot interviews they had to fucking convince hogan they actually i want to say uh kevin sullivan had hulk stay at his house in a room uh the night before this pay-per-view and and didn't let him talk to this is before cell phones were a thing really i mean cell phones existed but you didn't have a cell phone just handy so he prohibited anybody from calling hogan because hogan was so on the fence they did not want someone calling hogan and being like do not do it do not fucking turn heel you'll kill your career because hogan was already scared about it. i lose all my merchandise brother i'll lose all the boy i can't i can't i can't do it i'm yeah, gonna, I'm gonna there was no there was no heel merchandise. yeah i'm an american hero i'm an american hero he- i can't do this you'll, you'll kill my career <clears throat> so they actually locked him up at kevin sullivan's he- house the night before you think you put him and, in and the dungeon insane. of doom and gave him some shrooms and fucking just put him yeah oh my yeah, god right. <laughs> so well, think, think about that now right like 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 stone cold could be a heel um robert root could be a heel and i'll still buy his shirt that did not happen until right here in 96 right to your point 
NWO. Yeah, there, there was no heel merchandise market well, here. There's not at all. Yeah, isn't there so, a story where he kicks that. Bischoff that, out of his insane. house for presenting it to him at first? Right? Yes, like yep. when they first went, Hogan just said, "I don't want any part of it." Yeah. And Bischoff went to Hogan's house to talk to him about it. Hogan thought, like, is he going to fucking tell me he's not going to renew my contract or some shit? Like, what's going on? So Bischoff gets to Hogan's house and he says, I want, I want to turn you heel. And I don't think Bischoff even had the whole thing yet. Like, it visioned out the way he wanted. And Hulk was like, no way. Get, get out of here with that shit. Like, I don't even want to talk about that. That's not on the table. Get wow. out of here, brother. So I heard I heard something to the effect, and I'd love to get your point, Jess, on which which way did it go? Brother. Like chicken or egg? Like Sting wasn't the original choice. It was Hogan was always the first choice, but Sting was the definitely backup. a B person if yes. Hogan turned it down because, because in the he, line, he had creative control. Yeah. And so if he sto- did well, back that out. And in the storyline, they're thinking, OK, like uh, if Hulk says no, who's the next the next logical person? Someone that is WCW homegrown should be the logical person. If you're not going to go with the guy who made the competition, the biggest thing since sliced bread, you're going to go towards the guy who's working on the inside and he's the mole. He's the betrayal. And so I think that was just, yeah, they were they were set in the same breath with Hulk being kind of the guy that they wanted because of his contract value and his name value and everything. But uh, when Hogan said no, they were going to go with Sting. And and my point with that is without I know I we're I know we're trying to keep this in a certain time frame, but like it, it to me, it's crazy because you don't he doesn't do the same things that Hulk does. Does that make any sense? Like it Hulk, everything that Hulk did after this point was because Hulk Hogan was who he was. And yes, he recreated, he became Hollywood Hogan. He changed his look and painted the beard on to piss people off and did all that stuff. But like a Sting NWO member would have been very different than what Hulk ever did. I truly believe, and, and think about how this can, the ramifications on the entire wrestling world, he would not have had the same ripple in the pond that Hulk did when he turned heel. It he would, would have been not. a big deal, but I don't think it would have been no. like mainstream media coverage like Hulk no. garnered. Uh, but it would have been a cool no. faction. It would have been a really cool It'd faction. Cool. And I think after, you know, so so think about all that. WWF would have never been put with their backs against the wall for Vince to finally be like, I don't fucking know what to do anymore. You guys come up with your own shit. And then fucking, but at the same you know, time, like Austin. Who- you know. at, at the same time, who better to be the uh, the babyface than the uh, WCW loyal Sting to be fighting that faction? No, you're right. Then, you're 100 um, percent right. And then That's Hogan, a great point. I mean, I know you said like the guy that created the company, but just that quote, who better or uh, I know that company better than anybody, brother. Like, you know, just like like who better than Hogan? Like not even just because his name, but like he was the guy from up north, the main guy from up north that know that knew that company better than anybody so that was that like all of it. No, and, that, and that's another great point, because so think about it. Let's just say let's fantasy book. And you know how much I hate that shit. So, <laughs> so let's say Sting is the guy, right? He forms the thing with Hall and Nash or whatever. What would Hogan have done? Come out in the same yellow and red and fucking no sold all their moves. And then three months later, they gimmicks dead. And still be you know a what I mean? Heel, like, kind of. Like, that, you're like, you're you know what I mean? Like that would have Hogan would have been the face. What? Like Hogan. Hogan, Hogan up in the rafters. Being down. Down. Oh, imagine brother. Hogan painted him as the crow. Brother, 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 brother. So I just it's it's funny that. Of course, we look back, and of course, uh, this makes the most sense. I'm but, the crow, brother. But behind the scenes, I think it's important behind the scenes to notice that Sting was kind of mentioned in the same breath, and it does make sense. But the ramif- the the ripple does not happen without this it's moment. It's not the same. Does I'm not, not happen even without crow, And I think, I think it's what Sting would do. Sting Sting wouldn't stand out like Hogan did and kind of take control of the whole thing, no. right? 
the way even on that, like, that that first appearance after Bash of the Beach on that Nitro, he's almost pointing at Holland Nash and telling them what to do and establishing himself yeah. as the guy where Sting probably would have been just one of the three, probably yeah. one of the three, like 30 percent of the work, like yeah. Blue Year, this united front, like Hogan being Hogan and the reason why he is. Uh, and that's not I'm not knocking him at all. He's Hogan. He's like, this is about me. I'm and you are kind of my uh my lieges, you do what I say. I am the definitive leader, and it all went from there. Yeah, absolutely. Agreed, agreed. And then next night on Nitro, the whole show revolved around the shock of Hulk Hogan churning Hill and betraying WCW. Um, before I get into it, there was um, somebody talking about the greatest lines in a, in a pay-per-view ever, and the guy on Twitter said mine was, you go to hell, Hulk Hogan. You go oh, straight to <laughs> Yeah, Tony Schiavone. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and that's how they closed out Bash of the Beach. So obviously they're bringing that into WCW on uh, on Nitro the next night. Hogan would appear on Nitro for the first time as Hollywood Hulk Hogan yes. on July fifteenth, ninety six, and challenged the Giant for the WCW World Title at the upcoming pay per view Hog Wild. Well, that's a fantastic fucking name, isn't what it? What a financial so, success the Hog Wild woo! thing was. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. On the uh, 29th of July in 96, episode of Nitro, Hall and Nash would attack wrestlers in the back stage area with baseball bats. Um, the baseball bats aren't even the biggest portion of the you know story. know what it is. Uh, and, 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 I, and I told Jess, I said, I said you have this in the I – told, yeah, I, told, I told Jess, you have this in the notes, right? Because if you don't, it's a problem for me because when I think of the NWO, it always goes back to this segment. And I can't explain why that is because you'd think it'd be Hogan, but it's not. But, uh, you know, this venue is outdoors. Um, it's a Disney World in Florida. The neighboring residents thought that there was actual gang fight going yes. on. Several calls were actually made <laughs> by local authorities. They're fighting outside <laughs> of the production truck. And literally, Nash grabs Mysterio and lawn darts him into the fucking production trailer. It is it is unbelievable what you're seeing because <laughs> has it up now. And I'm still like, when I watch it, I'm like, Oh my still gosh. Amazing. I'm like, how did the heck they even do that? And they just walk away, get, get in their cars and drive off. You're like, this is, this is chaos. And it, it's funny. It's, it's chaos that they wanted you to see. This is, this is phenomenal. Uh, segments here, right? I mean, it's Wait crazy. All the, all, everybody's left the ring here, and th- there's Rey Mysterio. Hey! He dove up. That's Rey Mysterio. There's the Cruiserweight no. Champion, Rey Mysterio. Oh, no! Hey! Head first into the trailer in the back. He threw him like he was a dart. It's, it's one of the most me- like memorable segments in Nitro history. Like, everybody talks about the lawn dart segment. Everybody calls it the yes. lawn dart. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and it's like Mysterio jumps. It, it's an office. If you've ever been on a construction site, it's just a, it's a mobile trailer that they bring in. And they, yeah. then they push, like, a deck up against it so you can climb up the stairs and go in the door of the office. So it's like a construction trailer. And Ray Mysterio <sighs> comes out because I don't know what he was doing in there. Uh, yeah. Doing pee or something <laughs> he comes he comes out he's like what's going on he gets up on the stair like the the railway for the stairs jumps off onto nash nash catches him yeah. in a crossbody fashion and then puts him over shoulder and throws him straight into the side of the trailer it's cool shit man i mean it, yeah. you know the guy's 100 and fucking you know five pounds ray mysterio but still like the visual everyone talks about to this day it's and it's because like they um they kept it for multiple segments uh, they kept it realistic, like before the NXT invasion. They just kind of kept rolling with it. They kept the announcers kind of kept like no selling it or, or almost in silence. It was just 
it had the realism of this shit might be happening. And it's very scary and they don't like what they're going to do now. Like it just had that little oomph and like the, that X factor of it's crossing the line. I'm not sure what's going and, and on. What it was, happened it was perfect. to WCW, right? We're going to talk about them unwinding at the end or whatever, but like the details that they would do here was fantastic. You know, they bring yeah. them back. Okay. The entire WCW locker room by this point knows that these three cocksuckers, we are not going to let yeah. them back here. But then when it shoots to the back, they actually have a match in Nitro. The main event of Nitro, I think, was a six man that night. So six of their biggest stars are in the ring. Jimmy Hart comes running out and starts yelling at them out of character. Out, and like the cam, the hard camera didn't pick them up at first. It was like this. They played it as like this crazy. The production truck didn't even know what was going on, you know, because it's real. And so Jimmy Hart comes out there and he's like, you got to come back. Something bad's happened. So the the six main, you know, badass guys, I think it was the horseman against like Sting and a couple other people like they're like, what? And then they all break character on purpose. And they're this heel manager, Jimmy Hart. They all talk to like a person. What do you mean? What's going on? OK, we're coming back with you. And they all go back into the back and then that's when you see people already laying around and Hall and Nash standing yeah. with baseball bats and I'm like that's how you fucking even the odds and then Rey Mysterio jumped off they throw him in the trailer like Dave said they get in the car and they drive away and then now the the people who were in there like in the ring come back to this chaos they have the ambulances come in and they have all this stuff they take yeah. them out and they put people in neck braces and carry them off on stretchers and it was just this but the neighbors thought there was a gang fight happening. <laughs> like, so they called the cops. Yeah, they literally like, it, called 911. They like, had to straighten it out with the cops. Like, no, it's a show. I, I swear mean, to God, If show. you didn't live through this point, you didn't really see, you know, for all the shit that we say about WCW, and they've done some dumb stuff, man, before this and after this, unfortunately for them, um, that will lead to their demise. Like, they did everything here these, these first couple of months with the NWO formation was done so well. And, and it, it, again, it captured everyone to where people started turning over to this program. People started treating this as the number one wrestling promotion in the U S so many, I mean, this just opened so many doors for them. Uh, this angle, this NWO cannot be understated. It saved this company literally, and then changed the United States wrestling landscape for years to come. Uh, wh whether it's guaranteed contracts, whether it's a realistic, characters whether whatever you want to say they changed everything long before mr mcmahon long sorry cuz long before stone cold uh, everything they did it uh -huh. they did it their own way they made it real this is all history i mean everything we're talking about especially these first three months is just like just the details are amazing macho, macho man jumping yes. on top of the fucking limo here yeah, i remember like, that too I mean, yeah it's fucking great them driving off with Macho Man driving on top of the limo Dude, trying to get brother, into the sunroof. It's cool shit, man. Like, just cool stuff. I will fucking get you. you, get you, you fuck Elizabeth. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, like, I, you can't, I, again, I don't want to ramble on, but you cannot understate this. Like, this is just fucking good great shit. Time, man. Good shit. That carry this momentum, man, at Hogwild pay per view on August 10th. Uh, like, even Hogan Slayer. Would defeat the Giant to win the his second WCW world title. And then two weeks later, Ted DiBiase would be revealed as the fourth member of the Damn right. He would be named Trillionaire Ted <laughs> and was the manager, uh, spokesperson for the group. On September 2nd, uh, episode of Nitro. That was the Giant. first of a lot of disappointments to come uh, True. in the NWA oh. angle. Yeah. True. Yeah. And then the Giant would become the fifth Boom. member. You know, I, 
Yeah, I kind of wish that the giant would be the guy. <laughs> the so boring. Didn't work out. Well, if way. the giant was at number five, number number six wouldn't literally have the name six. So I guess you kind of. That's true. Oh, you got to tit for tat. What would we call him? Five. I'm sorry, but <laughs> even, oh, even now, five. like I mean, I mean, of course now, like when when I hear when someone's gonna fight a mystery opponent and you hear where I just groan, <laughs> and even here I'm like, yeah. oh, well, God, of course, yeah. Yeah. you suck. Actually, and, and so Big Show is, was a little. I, I would say I would have to give him credit. He's a little cooler here. Yes, yes, but, uh, he is. Yeah, the, the, your feeling of that, I agree. Yeah, I totally right. uh, agree with that, Cuz. And it's all the way WWE booked him all of these years. That's why Big Show is, is <sighs> groaned when his music hits. It's all fuck. Like it's all no, like wow. Yeah. It's, it's all fuck me. Like even yeah, just when I hear this, now, now that we talk about this, I'm like, oh, of course, uh, fifth member. Yeah, uh, I don't care. <laughs> Yeah, but you know there is a good uh, scene a though. No, there, there is a building up what? to the match. I don't know if you guys remember. I, I remember this vividly. Uh, uh, where like NWO is laying waste to people, and then Big Show is standing behind Hogan, and Hogan backs up, and and he feels like this big imposing figure behind him, and just the facial expressions Hogan makes, where he like kind of does does a side look, look left, look right, and then he kind of does a big swallow like he's afraid to turn around and he turns around big shows right there and he fucking scares the shit out. Hogan's fucking great at facial expressions. Well, you get quality perform- performances yeah. from the greatest wrestler of all time because I don't know what else you would expect. You know and, what I'm saying? No, 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 right. It's because Austin right, wasn't a big guy. Yeah. <laughs> Small side note, the August 26th and September 22nd uh, Nitros would run on a pose and both episodes would reveal a 4.0 rating plus. Um, that's the first fucking time Westminster dog show, yeah, motherfuckers. Right? God, the real yeah. NWO yeah. professional wrestling, yeah. brother. So think uh, about that. Right? Yeah. since uh, the debut yeah. in '95. Right? Yeah. So think about that for a second. I, I don't want to harp on this, but at the we same should. time, like the Monday Nitro was the first program to go over 4.0. That's fucking nuts. Like four million households brother. were watching Monday Nitro because of this angle. They'd swell up to that big. Mm-hmm. That's insanity. And for cable rating back here, that I mean, we got used to Breaking Bad doing like 10 million, Walking Dead doing 12. But that wasn't until years later um, where you could, you know, so many TV different things you could stream and, and, and more of those. The, back here in 1996, not a lot. Of, I mean, a lot of people did have cable, but not everyone did. You may have had to TBS go to a friend's house stuff. to it was watch just, it, you know? Yeah, you had to go to friends' house and stuff. So four million households were watching WCW when WWF for these two weeks were pre- were uh, preempted, and it's like wow. Like it's not only is the angle just paying Mongo. off, but think of, I mean, back at fucking Mongo. Yeah, so you, um, see, you see woman and Mongo starting to shit out of the scene right now. Back woman in the day, screaming. Back in the day, like you know, you would get bigger ratings, but that's because like it. A lot of houses like people would go to other people's houses to get something. Now it was becoming a little bit more common. So cable ratings to break two million was like, that's a great show. That's a solid rating, which Raw had been doing for years. And and when Nitro came in, they were kind of hovering in the twos and stuff and one point nines, which is super solid. Four million people watch them. That's I mean. That can't be understated. They were changing everything. They were changing cable ratings back here. Pro wrestling was changing cable ratings, much like they did for Turner back in the day when Turner was trying to get everything afloat and he relied on wrestling to bring him solid ratings. Once again, wrestling is like setting this standard where other shows were like, how the fuck are they getting 4 million people to watch this shit? How the fuck is that happening? NWO, baby, NWO and lawn darts. Crazy stuff. Leading to the next pay-per-view, it would be determined that Team NWO would, would face Flair, Anderson, Luger, and Sting in a War Games match at Fall Brawl on September 16th. 
But on September 9th edition of uh, Nitro, it, it was appearing that Sting was breaking off. He was turning his back on the WCW to become their newest member and be that fourth person on the NWO War Games team. But then at Fall Brawl of 96, Sting would appear before Luger, Flair, and Anderson in an interview before their match, claiming it was not him who joined the NWO, but an imposter Sting. The other three didn't believe him, but Sting vowed to be their partner in War Games to prove that he was telling the truth. Can I say another fucking awesome angle? Like, I remember... I worked full time here and I came home and I turned Nitro on and I was just super tired from like a long day and a long work week. I was actually starting to doze off on my couch, not because Nitro was boring, but I was just super fucking tired. I remember kind of like coming out of it and seeing Sting get out of a limo and start beating up Lex Luger. And I was like, what the fuck? I stood up in my living room and I was like, did fucking Sting just turn? Is he an NBO guy? And like Dave said, like the real Sting would come out in Super Brawl or uh, sorry, excuse me, Fall Brawl and be like, it wasn't me. That that gimmick. And that was to end Nitro. It was like the last 30 seconds of Nitro. Limo pulls up. Luger was waiting for something. I don't remember why Luger was outside. I remember it was raining outside and Luger came outside and he, the limo pulls up. He's like, who's in there? And he's trying to look in the tinted window or whatever, which never works by the way. Cause that's why they're tinted. And so he, he just like looks in the window and he's like, what? And the door opens and sting gets out and attacks Luger. And then all the other NWO members get out and just kind of, you know, applaud him or whatever. And I was like, Oh my yeah. God. And then they oh. went off the air. And I was like, what the fuck did Sting? So this great cliffhanger television, they're pushing this angle and everything's working. Everything's firing for WCW at this point. Yeah. Yeah. And that is so interesting because uh, when the time comes for the match and the NWS fourth member to come out, Sting uh, would, would make his way down and align himself with the NWO. But then when the fourth member of the WCW would come out, Sting, the real Sting came out and attacked all members of the NWO and laid out the fake sting. But instead of staying in the match with his partners, he faced them, flipped them all off and said, was that good enough for you? And he left them at a disadvantage three to four. Obviously the NWO would win that match on advantage. The next night on nitro sting would come to the ring and cut a promo that would forever change his career and began a 15 month period of him going solo watching from the rafters and he would proclaim himself a free agent because WCW didn't believe in him. He would said he would pop up when they least expected it. Um, <laughs> this whole phenomenon with Sting was great um, and, until the end, but we, we'll get to that In the soon. last 12 months. The night after- yeah. What's he getting to? I don't like the, I don't I like the tone the of this WCW at all. And I carry the WCW banner. And I have given my blood, my sweat, and my tears for WCW. I don't like where this is going. So for all of those fans out there and all those wrestlers and people that never doubted the Stinger, I'll stand by you if you stand by me. But, but for all of the people, all of the commentators, all of the wrestlers, and all of the best friends who did doubt me, you can stick it. From now on, I consider myself a free agent. But that Uh doesn't mean that you won't see the stinger. From time to time, I'm gonna pop in when you least expect it. 
Was it really 15 months before he wrestled yes. and then yes. before he wrestled again at that Starcade? Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? That's so wow. Okay. Yeah, right. Like, wow. That's a ballsy another ballsy move. Like yeah. you know, uh, what do you say about Sting? He's a he's tied into this huge. You needed that eventual baby face that would save WCW and 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 thrash the evil Hulk Hogan. And uh, you know, we'll talk later again how they fucked this shit up. Yeah. But I mean, like this. <laughs> They this beginning was like awesome. And then you would see Sting. I think he was like he didn't you didn't see him for like two weeks. And then you would see him up in the rafters with a black trench coat, white face paint, almost like a mime. And it was and and he hadn't grown his hair out long yet. It was just like jaw length, you know, and like so obviously over the months it would get longer and longer. So this is where Crow Sting started because of the NWO angle, because they were positioning Sting here. To Cuz's point earlier, it wouldn't have worked the other way around, right? You needed that Hogan to push the NBA over the top, and then you need that. Where's that hero? It's going to be Sting, who says, fuck you, WCW, because you didn't believe me. But you know that his heart is WCW. You know it. It just took 15 months for you know people to want to watch every week. And and they did some cool shit. Sting came down from the rafters, and we'll get into that. And it's just kind of this really began everything. I mean, this whole three or four month period to end 96 after the NWO started, everything was so beautiful. The lawn dart thing, the realism of the ambulances, the sting going, fuck you. You guys don't believe me. Well, fuck you. Then I've been here for yeah. years. I've been the, vo- the heart of WCW. Everyone else has left. I've stayed. And like, and you doubt me, you think I'm the guy that's going to jump ship to the NWO. Yeah. Fuck you guys. That's bullshit. Like, so it's, you felt for sting. You were like, yeah, right. Like how could they d- doubt you sting? like you're the guy you're the man you know like so it's it it, it worked out perfect it was all beautiful a little side note uh, after fall brought the interview we introduced their sixth member known as six or sean waltman or one two three kid who was formerly with the wwf not a big deal but a big deal obviously right so uh next segment we cut we kind of get rowdy rowdy piper into the picture at halloween havoc 96 Two major happenings took place. Hall and Nash would defeat Harlem Heat to win the WCW Tag Team titles. And Rowdy Roddy Piper would surprise everyone and confront Hogan after his match against Randy Savage. The last time Piper was in an NWA WCW um, anything was in 83. So obviously WCW was trying to bring in big name faces to provide basically feeders to Hogan, right? Piper aligned himself with WCW and vowed to eliminate Hogan and the NWO. We were there live, right, Craig, huh? No, the havoc. Right? One of like what, four years you guys went in a row? Yeah. This is the very first was year. It? This is the very first year. I was I gonna it. say it was the first one. Yeah. Yeah. And we were all shocked. Like they did the Hogan and, and Savage match, and then like we you don't really know back then when the pay-per-view went off the air. It was like just the after the match stuff. And then this bagpipe music hit and everybody was like, What? And then Piper walked out. The place went nuts. Like it was that you again, you felt it. Now they're getting Piper in. And I know people will roll their eyes now and be like, Oh, Piper. But you know, he still had some gas no, left in here. Yeah, yeah, back then gas, it was like yeah. Roddy Piper walking in confronting Hulk Hogan. So now again, now they're really playing off old WWF shit, right? Before they sued them because they're like, uh, Hull and Nash are trying to remind us of Diesel and Ramon. Here they're just they were unabashedly going just like, uh, yeah, 
Hulk and Piper have a history from back then in the WWF. Like it was just a whole, they would even mention every now and then, oh, they were on the first WrestleMania together. Like, so it was just like now WCW is just sticking it to the WWF, just going like, oh yeah, and we're going to reference this shit too now. Like it was, it was awesome. Yeah. And being there live, it seeing Piper confront Hulk was surreal. I mean, uh, you know, this. The gloves are all the yeah. way off at this point for sure. Yeah. yeah. And this and is where it gets really interesting. Um, on December 18th of... Oh, sorry, go ahead, Craig. I was gonna, just going to say, like, so what's the absolute apex, the peak of NWO popularity? When did you as a fan or looking back now, like, at what point did you start to see its fave, the first, like, crest, like, uh-oh, or... Probably... This, I'm... I'm Probably in 97 when every week, like you joked about earlier, it would just be an NWO run in and end in a DQ and they would go off the air. It was sometime in 97 where that became commonplace for months or for week after week. It would be like just and here come the NWO and the whole ring would fill up and there you go and DQ or a no no contest or whatever. I want to say, honestly, looking back and even if as a fan, if I was being honest, mid 97, I was like, you guys are doing the same shit over and over again. Like. What what's the payoff? What's the payoff? So even the first sold out would like still good. Well, we'll, still we'll fine, get to like, that. No, we'll we'll get yeah. to that. But even as a fan, I don't think I shit on sold out yet. I knew it was a bad show. Yeah, but I didn't see it as a, a chink in the armor yet. Looking back, that was the first inkling of it's big, and it's the biggest thing WWE's ever done. But it's not as big as you think it is. So do not try to label hmm. pay per views after it. Do not try to make your own. You know what I mean? Like it, it's yeah. But before we get to that, this is where things get really interesting. Um, on in November of '96, uh, Nitro uh, show Bischoff actually claimed that Piper was not returning his calls um, in regards to his contract, and he just wasn't available. He tried multiple times. Bischoff even claimed he drove to Piper's ranch home, but Piper didn't answer the door. Um, so they thought that they're just trying to make it seem like Piper's not interested and he's blowing everything off, right? He's not really the guy he, he is. So at the end of the show, Bischoff takes to the center of the ring and says that since he's MIA, uh, we couldn't issue a contract where he can grant him a match at Hogan at Starcade. But then, just then, Piper's music hits. Um, Bischoff looks very shocked. And then Piper would dispute Bischoff's claims that he never received phone calls. And he would say, I think Jess has talked about this before, like, um, well, you've been in my ranch. What does my gate look like? What does my yard look like? Um, you called my number. What's my number? Right. And you can see Bischoff is stammering the entire time. And basically at that point, you know, uh, Piper grabbed Bischoff and just called him a piece of shit. All members of NWO hit the ring and held Piper back. And that's when Hogan and Bischoff embrace. And you realize the whole time, the, the brainchild behind everything um, and why interview had been so strong is because Bischoff allowed the whole thing to happen. First class coach, how'd you fly? First class coach, what was it? First class coach, how'd you fly? Uh, what airline, coach? coach? What airline? I don't... Oh, I'd be darned. <laughs> and you come on up to my ranch. When you come up to my ranch, tell me, is the road crooked or is the road straight? Tell me, is the road crooked? I don't remember. I don't remember. I, uh... I went back and watched that two days ago, that segment, because I always remembered watching that live and, and loving it. And uh, if you go back and watch it again, it's fucking awesome. And Piper literally does. He grabs him. And, and it's not Piper's the shock of the right word. Here. It's that Piper's pissed. He's and so Piper good. Piper grabs him and he, 
Yeah, Piper's calling him a liar, and he grabs him, and he's like, what's my gate look like? What's my road? Is it straight or is it crooked? And he goes, come here, you piece of shit. And he grabs him by the collar. <laughs> like, he was going to fuck, you know, and then NWO comes out, and you realize, oh, my God. Like, and Bischoff, like, and Hogan hug, and then Bischoff gets this cocky look on his face, and that started way before the Mr. McMahon character. That started the evil owner character and he would become easy e he would become whatever else you want to say this segment is it gives me goosebumps talking about it i watched it a couple days ago it was incredible and like the crowd when piper came out and surprised bischoff went nuts like it's just nitro was getting so fucking hot here and every time the nba would come in they would shower the ring with trash and like it was just this real you knew at this point that obviously it's all, you know, part of the storyline, but like it still felt so real and so incredible. This is such such and a great now, landmark moment. Now for everybody it's, knows it's who's working for who. Hogan yeah. saying that. Now, now that everybody realizes who everybody's working for. I mean, my God, this guy here was the foundation of the WCW. Now he works for the NWO. Great shit. Watch your brother. And that's that's why I asked that question earlier because Jess, we, we've never had this conversation, but I knew where we were going, and, and I was kind of looking ahead. I was like, "There's a lot of people that say like." And I can't put my head back when I what I first felt when I watched uh, that on television. And I want to say I was still completely plugged in, unbelievable. And I read back the notes now as an old man and I'd be like, well, Bishop then said he was aware the whole time and blah, blah, and poking holes in it. I honestly don't remember whether I was still fully bought in on, on Bischoff, but I think listening to you, like, I think we absolutely were. I think all just readings, like, I'd like to think I was smarter than I was back in the day. And this is when it fell apart, but it wasn't. We totally bought into Bischoff and we were, it was still so cool at the time. Now they carried it for a while. Yeah. They could still do no wrong at this point. They were on fire. Yeah. Yeah. You don't see it in the notes, but I mean, are we going to talk about this right here? Well, that's that's like two years later. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, keep going then. Keep going on your. It's still worth talking about. It, it's yeah, no, nobody can see this video right now because so Dave, please God, please God, go. Uh, WCW was on fire in the ratings. They were routinely beating WWF by almost a full rating point, a million viewers every single week. For the first time since the '80s explosion, another company besides the WWF was the number one wrestling company in the United States and quite frankly, the world when it comes to ratings at this, at this point in time. But the first reality check for WCW came in January of 97. Bischoff felt the NWO was uh, such a hit. They could brand an entire pay-per-view after it. So the NWO sold out pay-per-view took place in Cedar Rapids. Say, read it like and- I wrote it. <laughs> Fucking Cedar <laughs> Rapids, Iowa. <laughs> on January 25th of 1997, the event was designed to not feel anything like a WCW event. The arena right. was primarily yeah. decorated with black and white colors, shot with a more gritty feel. The card was all NWO members versus WCW stars. The event only drew a uh, you know dot four seven buy rate, which was 170,000 buys. This was easily WCW's lowest pay-per-view buy rate since before the NWO was formed and would end up being the lowest pay-per-view buy rate of the entire year of 97. 
uh, to compare, Super Brawl next month uh, posted a 0.75 buy rate with 275,000 buys. To gear up for sold out, several mid-card wrestlers were added to the NWO. Wrestlers such as Big Bubba Rogers, Michael Wall Street, IRS. We, that, that's who Michael Wall Street is. Buff Bagwell, um, Masashiro Kono, and Scott Norton. Chono, Dave, goddamn it. Mas- he's a I'm goddamn sorry, legend. Chono, I'm sorry. Yeah, okay. Um, so Scott Norton became part of the Renegade faction, uh, and this completely watered down the group. This is where things. It, this is where that, I now, Craig. It's, it's funny that you focus. say. I don't think I saw it here, but obviously, looking back, this was the first arrogant decision that Bischoff made behind the scenes of like, well, let's just fucking let's just do our own branded pay per view. We can do it. It the 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 gimmick was five months old six months old at this point and you want to fucking name an entire pay-per-view after it and like bischoff's mind back here he was known in interviews as saying like um i want to try to maybe split the brands eventually and have an nwo show and then a wcw show so it's funny how the brand split you know we talk about now has never really worked out back here bischoff was like gunning towards that already like five months into it and it's like holy shit like i look back now and i'm like whoa whoa pump the brakes tiger like jesus christ like you just had this thing for five months your your child's only five months old like it can't even walk yet like just calm down it's it's doing amazing things but dude like he just jumped the gun here like really quickly to have a a branded pay-per-view i remember watching the show back in the day when it aired live and it was fucking awful and it was just a different they didn't get the point across they were trying to get and like it just it just did not gel it didn't work i remember specifically watching it like by the second or third match going this shit sucks like this is not good and what they were trying for is not they were they, they were trying a lot of things they even had um Allowed Shono to wear the NWO colors in New Japan, recruit the great Muna under the uh, NWO umbrella for Japan. And this was their first pay-per-view in WCW ever held in January. Uh, and it was on a Saturday. So, you know, you, you can argue that's why the rates weren't as high. But uh, at the end of the day, we, we know the product wasn't all that great either. So in the spring and summer, you know, they NWO, WCW just continue their dominance over Vince and the WWF. Savage even joins the NWO. I'm telling you, in my mind, when I watch this, then I'm just like, I'm like, who's not part of the NWO? I just have to say that. I was um, gonna I'm, say, so just taking a quick yeah. step back, like the two big two things about sold out, which it, things begin to like smell a bit funny, is sure. I love Big Boss Man. I love. Um, <laughs> I respect him so much, but when He's Big so Bubba good. Rogers joins um, Buff Bagwell and you take him into your group things aren't the, at the very top they could be. And I, I hate well, to like, say it's it. Like, it's like eventually who you're saying, like, who, who are you going to fight? Yeah. I mean, well, yeah. That, that was, that's like the red light. Like not those even two that, guys, the mid carters and then the horse, like they, yeah. Bischoff in his mind's like, I want to have a separate brand. Let's just get people now. Instead of building characters over a year to become part of the NWO, you might accept the NWO having 10 members if they take a year Jesus to Christ. year and a half to make it happen and explain why these people are joining. Instead, even yeah, five months later, they're like, oh, fuck, we're going to do a pay-per-view yeah. with NWO. We need and let's, members. Uh, like, and let's not forget to get fucking Conan in there while we're at Well, that's oh, later, too. <laughs> yeah. No, it's uh, all there. I was saying, you know, it's like fucking right. Savage, you know, attacks Piper so Hogan can be and everything. Conan's added to the group. Just, and then you get to the political bullshit, right? 
And by the way, I didn't realize it was that pay-per-view was on a Saturday in January and Super Bowl January yeah. and play a football Saturday and Sold Sunday. Out, like, yeah. no wonder it didn't do well. Like, yeah, I always thought that's that, what, when I was yeah, reading that, head, that's completely fine. Not not NWO or Bischoff's fault for that. Yeah, that's why I wrote in their defense, like, yeah, it ended up like it. it yeah. Well, to be devil's advocate, it is their fault. They planned it. You know what I mean? Yeah. They knew, yeah, I guess if they they book knew it for what them, January it's was. Yeah, that's no that's planned most of the events, yeah. And, and up until then, they hadn't had a pay-per-view in January. It was always a clash of champions. WWF, yes, obviously had the Royal Rumble at this point, but they kept it on a Sunday. And there were WWF at this point, so they had the name value. But yeah, like their first pay-per-view, they want to make it on Saturday, like Craig said, during playoff football, which is always on a Saturday. And then they want to – which is an odd day as well – because most television programs stay away from Saturdays because that's the day, assuming that everybody works the regular Monday through Friday, nine to five schedule, Saturday's a weekend. So Saturday's when you go out and you get hookers and you do blow. And then like you, on, and then on what Sunday, that just, that's just, wow. and back, would you? I thought so. that's what everybody did. I had no idea that some people didn't do that. Um, yeah. So, uh, but on Sundays, ever you know, they would start a pay-per-view at five on Sundays, which all families were going to get together because they had work or school the next day. So people were more inclined to put down the money and watch a wrestling pay-per-view from five to eight or whatever um, on a Sunday. So I j- always thought, it, and, and they've, it, they're not the only company to experiment with a non-Sunday pay-per-view, but at the same time, I just thought it was funny that he just thought it was so big already at this point. Bischoff's like, fuck it, put it on a Saturday and we'll do this. And it's like, what? Like, he j- already, like, Looking back to Craig's question earlier, yeah. at the time, I don't think I thought much of yeah. it. I just knew huh? the show sucked. But looking back now, I'm like, yeah, like he was already the, full the of the hubris shit. is beginning. He's yeah. starting at a little hubris. Yeah, he's getting he's getting his head's getting big before his balls were big when he did the well, whole like, do you work for WWF? Now his head's getting he's big. not he's not he's not the only one because we got a lot of big heads here. This is where political moves and tension uh, began with WCW's top players. Uh, Hogan and Nash were just not in agreement creatively. Nash even felt that Hogan was just not around enough and definitely out of touch. Um, but WCW pulls off a major move for Bash of the Beach in 97. So we're talking a year later after you know the big third man move. They get Dennis Robin to tag with Hollywood Hogan and take on Lex Luger with the Giant in the main event. Because obviously the Giant has already moved back. I mean, okay, whatever. There's a lot of stuff there we miss, I guess, but this created huge mainstream media coverage, which further cemented WCW's place as the cool promotion. Was it good? Not really. But Dennis Rodman coming up, who's just such the black sheep of the NBA, um, joining that faction at the time is absolutely perfect for ratings. Right you are, Dave. We hope you've enjoyed the legacy of the NWO. Part one. Stay tuned for part two. And don't forget, you can listen to part one and part two on all major platforms. Spotify, Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, Stitcher, YouTube, Google Podcast, and iHeartRadio. This has been our wrestling podcast. Thank you, everybody. 